0: Hi, this is Tamson Granger. This is Dan Abuhoff. Well, Tamson and Dan read the paper on uh, February (laughs) 6th. February 6th. It is February 6th. Sunday, February 6th. 2022.
1: Yeah, we're on top of things. Sunday, February February 6th. Exactly right. The week end
0: between
1: the the end
0: of the playoffs and the the Super Bowl.
1: That's right. So a week off from football. Yeah, so. So there we go. So we have taken advantage of that in this week to do things other than football. Next week, we're just going to focus on football. Yeah,
0: we're, you know, heaping in, you know, the supplies of potato
1: chips and dip. Oh, that's the least of it. But yes, we'll be doing a lot of uh, snack work between now and then. We've been informed by our guests that they're expecting a big spread. So uh, we'll do what we can do, you know, Mm -hmm. pickles. We'll figure something out. But, uh, listen, we went to the theater this week. To New York. We actually went to New York and went to it the theater. It was a harrowing affair. We got... What is harrowing? Because our timing was tight. There, there was nothing harrowing right. beyond that. You, you had a uh, basketball game. Right. I had to coach a basketball game. But we uh, And then to... we had
0: to zoom into Manhattan. Well, it's interesting.
1: We were able to leave at like from 5.15... From Pennsylvania. For 5.15 and 5.20 and traffic being what it is. Uh, we we're able to get in. In the 10, rain. For a 7.30 curtain. We made it. Well, we had
0: to get there before 7.30 because <laughs> of all the checking your... Hullabaloo yes uh right. you know
1: vax stuff hooping. yeah I, I don't mind the uh, checking the uh, vaccination card I, I think adding the id is what makes it hard for me
0: but Daniel, <laughs> you have to do that I, I, you I could can't... you could present anybody's I, vax card. i understand they I understand. have to go together i will
1: tell you between the id and the uh, vaccination card which i have on my phone and the mask, which fogs up my glasses. It is uh, difficult, but we, we got it. We got it. So, uh, we got it because we were seeing, uh, one of the encores, encore production. We talked about encores before. Encores uh, being a series that we subscribe to, which puts on three performances every year. And what they are, are retrospectives in a sense, concert performances of plays that, uh, musicals. Origi- musicals that originated 20, 30, 40, even 60 years ago sometimes, which are not considered candidates for big revivals like the Music Man, smaller than that, but ones that they think are worth seeing. And therefore they do a, a, a very sophisticated or advanced concert performance, if you will. And sometimes they discover hidden gems. And the best example has always been Chicago, which went on the Broadway uh, to much acclaim. There have been others but too.
0: There have been gems that uh, don't, go to, don't go to Broadway. Right, we, we generally that, you know, things well worth listening to. It, it, and we, seeing.
1: we very much uh, like them. They're almost always very worthwhile uh, and enjoyable. They almost invariably get positive reviews in the newspaper. The Times cuts them a little break because they understand concert performance means only ten days of rehearsal, and it's a showcase really for the performers as much as money changing hands. So um, that, that's a city center. And so the first play in this series, the first one this season, uh, The Tap Dance Kid. And um, that is a play that was first shown, uh, first was on Broadway in 1983. And it's the story of a kid about 10, 12 years old uh, who wants more than anything in the world uh, to tap dance. And this causes conflict within his family. Uh, his mother, more than happy to have him embrace his artistic side. His father, very much in the other direction. He's a lawyer, and he feels that the son ought to get down to serious business. Um,
0: well, but the mother supports the father, too.
1: Yeah, and, and there's, there's a family dynamic She there. feels he ought to... Yes. A well, bit. listen, I think... Uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but all I'm saying is, this eight words on your part of mind have already advanced the exploration on the subject more than the entire play. <laughs>
0: well, it's a play yeah. that
1: when it was originally
0: presented took yeah. place in the 80s. Yeah. And it's about conflicts with, you know, parents' uh, plans and hopes for their children yeah. and, you know, uh, contemporary yeah. uh, feelings about how right. you want to live and right. be, and right. etc. It's, it's a clashing of uh, age groups Genders, I, I, whatever. I, I, I it's an African American family. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so for some reason they change it back. They presented it at encore's in the 1950s. Yeah. I think hoping to um, have a better grip on real conflict.
1: I don't know what they were thinking, uh, in many areas. I mean, let me put it, let me get because, this out
0: Because there. there's a lot of gender conflict that's more obvious, you know, how women should behave okay. in
1: the 50s as opposed to okay. the 80s. Before we get into the thematic discussion, let me get this out there. It wasn't any good.
0: No, it wasn't any good. It
1: was terrible. And it, which is, I've never said that perhaps of an Encores production, uh, and uh, New York yeah. Times felt the same way. And I'll come back to that in a second. Performers it, were fine. The performers were better than well, fine. But yeah, they, I guess.
0: they had nothing to work with.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have, as, as you might suspect from my initial description, there's tap dancing. Um, and some of the tap dancing is fun to watch. I, you know, I, I don't mind reporting. I feel obligated to report that the tap dance kid uh, isn't really much of a tap dancer. And, and I don't mean to be mean to a child. So we're not going to dwell on it, but but I will say that one of the reasons that the show attracted some positive notices years ago was Savion Glover was a tap dance kid. and Of course, he's a great tap dancer, and I'm sure that that added a lot. And uh, they decided to do this show, as another article in the Times tells us, before they cast that part this year, and they had trouble casting the part. And they Because taught,
0: kids don't tap and dance, and they said
1: they actually cast someone who didn't really tap dance, and decided they'd teach them in a few weeks. So uh, that didn't work so well. But the uh, it was the dialogue was clunky, the whole progression of scenes was clunky. The music was not good. The music's by Henry Krieger, who later wrote uh, Dreamgirls. Um, so that doesn't was, make was any great. sense it doesn't make any sense but it, it, it's collaboration is the key he had a different lyricist there he worked with Michael Bennett there for Girls. for Dreamgirls I, I can't take that apart I know what I saw I know what I heard um, and uh, it just was flat
0: it was one forgettable song after another flat
1: and so and here, here's a funny thing about this so the Times says that uh, Jesse Green writes the review their main theater reviewer Says for a show about the excitement of dance, the pace is languid, which I think is a a fair statement. His it's, his headline about it was shuffling, then stumbling. But here's a funny thing. Here's the way he starts his review. He's he's talks about the the number at the end of the show, which is uh, a number uh, by Joshua Henry, uh, who uh, is the father. And he's sort of a scold. He plays the the father. Plays the father. And he's a scold the entire time. And
0: um, he's very frank.
1: And he he gives some very emotive uh, song, over the top song, at the 11 o'clock number. And uh, what Jesse Green says is it's an astonishing performance, in the best way, hard to watch. If only William, played by Josh Henry, were the main character. It might even make sense at the at the end of a lighthearted story, but he's not, and it doesn't. And it's from a different plane. Here, let me give you a very strange perspective on that. We had a parking issue. So we actually had to leave before the end of the show, just a few minutes before the end of the show, and before that number, because our lot was going to close at 10 or something, right? And there was no way to anticipate that that character or any character was going to do anything emotive or serious. And I actually had turned to Tamsin before we left. And I said to her, I don't understand why Joshua Henry is in this show. He did nothing. He's done nothing all night. He was a star of Carousel. He's a recognized musical talent. It doesn't make any sense to me. And we found out the next morning why he's in the show. But it, it just, it was crazy. It was it didn't make any sense. Right? Fair enough? Right. So it didn't compute, so we always have a funny parking story about this, although we didn't get to see the the 11 o'clock number, number, which we could not have uh, contemplated in a million years. So um, that was a disappointment, but, you know, no tragedy. Interesting to get into New York once in a while.
0: Yeah, and it was was still empty. I mean, that's part of the problem. I, I assume that's why the parking lot was closing at 10. Yeah. Because yeah, nobody's a so little funny these days.
1: Because <laughs> this, this is a, a parking lot which is a block away from city center. So, you know, how can you have a business where here's what we'll do. We'll close before the performances end. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of people in the lot. And they did not have a lot of people in the lot. Okay. So, that was that. Uh, we also saw a movie this week on the big screen in our living room. Uh, we saw uh, The Hand of God. Um which is a semi-autobiographical film by Paolo Sorrentino, an Italian film with subtitles. Um, And uh, he's a great director um, and a great movie uh, by him, The Great Beauties, one of the best movies I've ever seen. you still think that way about it? I do, I do. But I have to say, uh, I
0: don't know anybody I've recommended it to who feels the same way.
1: Right, but I feel the same way if that okay. m- means anything to you.
0: Well, I I didn't even recommend it to you. I dragged you to it.
1: I yeah. saw it on With my the, own. Didn't you hear some of the music too or something?
0: No, I I saw it by myself. I was and I was Oh, really?
1: Yes, Ooh. I saw it you by some, myself.
0: Yeah. And uh, and I was just overwhelmed by the the music. Right. And so maybe that's what you remember. And I actually, you know. It me to it. So, so you and I and saw I, it?
1: That was the second time you would see yes. it? Yes. Oh, I don't remember. And
0: that. I would see it a zillion times. Oh, it's a beautiful one. But I recommended it to movie. people and they were furious with me. It's like a, like you and, Pig. Yeah, and um, it oh, was, Pig. Pig being a movie, so we're yes, clear on that. Uh, yes. So, I mean, it was a beautiful movie, beautiful music, beautiful... Overwhelming. Yeah. Overwhelming. Just... Uh,
1: artistic experience. And I'm not, you know, the most artistic artistic guy in the world. And uh, it was great. So this film takes place in Naples. It is sort of the story of uh, Sorrentino's upbringing. Uh, and it has some elements that are reminiscent of The Great Beauty in that it's beautifully shot. Very evocative of Italy. Uh, has some very interesting music. Uh, but not the same thing, right? No. Yeah. No. A little.
0: But it was you know. But it was fun. It was it was interesting. Yeah. Of course, it has all you know. You want you love seeing Italy. You love seeing right. you know families gathered eating under the trees in Italy. All I mean that just seems to be the quintessential movie scene. Right. Um. And but it's it's odd. It's funny. It's um. It's um. You know people are not always cosmetic. No. And uh, they're not necessarily... I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy in many, many ways. and uh, But not crazy like Fellini, although Fellini is mentioned well, quite a lot. And it gets
1: compared to Fellini because Fellini made Amarcord, which was a story of his early upbringing.
0: Um, uh,
1: but everyone recognizes it's a very different deal. Did you realize that, you know... Antonio uh, Capuano who's identified in the movie as a mentor uh, of the uh, character it's the main character who wants to be a filmmaker yeah. is actually a real person and was the actual mentor of Paolo Sorrentino
0: <laughs> I was wondering about that yeah, I was right. wondering I, about that
1: so um, yeah so I um, I look there's, looked, there's
0: uh, no plot per se
1: yeah I I, I went to uh, I often go to ebert.com it's a site of the late Roger ebert uh, for movie reviews I find them Frankly, I found them more interesting and more useful than the Times reviews. And here's what they said, and I think it sort of resonates with what you were saying. They say uh, it's, the narrative is shapeless, which I think is fair. At the same time, it has an immersive quality, which I also think is fair. And as the characters, uh, they describe them like you did. Sargentino's characters are defined by their solitude and longing, uh, they are beautiful. But also tacky, often unsympathetic, uh, but in small moments uh, show unguarded intimacy that draws you in. Uh, And and I think that there's something to that. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's hard to be 100% behind that, but I think that's a well-expressed thought. So, um, you know, again, whether we recommend it or not, uh, I didn't mind seeing it. I thought it was okay. But uh, it's great. but I, It's not great. But I, I take your point before. We shouldn't recommend Sorrentino movies. Is that what you're telling me?
0: <laughs> we, we should just, uh, you know, with an asterisk, with a warning. You have to be patient. That Tanson and Dan are recommending this. Yeah. You know. Well, but I would say if you were setting aside a couple hours to watch an Italian film, yeah. I'd go for Great Beauty Oh, first.
1: Oh, first of all, that's three hours. Just okay, so we're clear. really? Yeah. It, it yeah. flew by for me. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, just uh, have a glass of wine at the ready. Yeah, have a
1: bottle of wine at the ready. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So let me just say this. I meant to fill you in on this. I, I hinted at it before, where, where the phrase hand of God comes from. Uh, it is uh, a reference to a goal scored by the great Argentine soccer player, Diego Maradona. One of the subplots is that uh, Maradona, uh, it's anticipated Maradona is going to come join the um, Naples uh, soccer team Uh and frankly, he did. So that was reality. But the, but the goal, the hand of God goal was this. Uh, it had to do, and, and actually they covered this. You really had to know it though in the movie itself. Yeah. He, during the um, a match between Argentina and England in the 1986 uh, FIFA World Cup, uh, he scored a goal that looked like it was a handball, but they didn't have enough video uh, evidence to overrule it. So the goal stood... Argentina won the goal to one Maradona scored a second goal. That was a great play. That was called the goal of the century. They actually showed that in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in terms of the first goal has always been called the hand of God goal. And it derives from Maradona's initial response on whether he scored it illegally. He said the goal was made, quote, with a, a little with the head of Maradona, talking about himself, and a little with the hand of God. And later Maradona said he considered the goal to be symbolic revenge for the United Kingdom's victory over Argentina in the Falklands War. Mm. So there you go.
0: But, I, uh, yeah, and just to underscore, this movie takes place in Naples. Right. Which is not the romantic setting of, say, Rome or Venice. Really? Or, you know, I think it Naples is a pretty tough place.
1: It's got... You know, the... the uh, <laughs> It's got the, New Hope beat, but go ahead. What going. it's got Pennsylvania beat, I think. But go
0: ahead. I know it's 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 had an ongoing like uh, garbage strike. Yeah, okay. For, I mean, it's kind of filthy. It's right. it's gritty. It's got a lot of political right uh, intrigue or uh, strife. Uh, so um, it has a, a fairly different tone, okay, from The Great Beauty. But, uh, um, but if you it, like that kind of thing, go yeah, see it. It wasn't it wasn't awful. Okay, so um, to shift gears entirely, yeah, I came <laughs> across an article in The New York Times by Gretchen Reynolds, what the active grandparents po- hypothesis can tell us about aging well yeah so are you familiar with the active grandparents hypothesis? No, I'm not no I'm not. Also referred to as the grandmother theory, I okay, know. right. Um, and the idea is, uh, it has to do with women live beyond menopause yeah. to help ensure successive generations thrive. Because you could say, you know, once, uh, women are over the childbearing years, what's the point? Really?
1: People yes. say that? That's a well, thing? Well, I,
0: I don't know. but I mean, in, um... In certain species, bit, little, in certain species, that's the case. A little narrow
1: you know, but, but go ahead, fine. use
0: it or lose it. move on. I get the idea. I, I, but so the theory is here: is the grandmother theory. Yeah. Um, mothers provide food for children. Yeah. Right. Then help to feed and care for the children's children. Really. Okay. So they need to um, live longer. Right. Okay. Um, primates. Uh, don't necessarily do that, I guess. I don't know. The other primates. or, or oh, Forget anything. the other primates. Well, right? anyway. All right. So, anyway, so uh, exercise is good for you. Yeah. So we know that. But why
1: is exercise good for you? Why? I mean, so you can be an active grandparent? So
0: you can survive and be a good grandparent.
1: Well, hold on a second. Okay? Is this, this an active grandmother? Exercise theory? is good
0: for us because humans need grandparents. And grandparents need to be vigorous and mobile. It's just the
1: act of grandparent theory the act of grandmother theory. It's just the well, theory. it's
0: based on the grandmother theory. I had okay? that feeling, yeah. Because men can um, continue to reproduce Oh, is that it? Far okay. longer anyway. Yeah. Well, okay. There you go. Uh, but anyway, so um, they say it's interesting because and you know why part of the question is why do people why do humans live so long? all right? There are other primates is what i was going to say who for instance apes don't get nearly the exercise that some humans do Mm -hmm. we think of apes as very active but uh, they may walk less than two and a half miles a day whereas modern hunter gatherers such as the hadza of tanzania clock up to you know like six or more miles a day okay Okay? much more active than the apes all
1: right
0: um so why you know why and that is so we can be there for the grandchildren and uh and exercise uh and just um we know all the good things exercise does for you improves your heart health reduces risk of disease makes us feel better yeah Uh, but here's an interesting thing the article mentions Mm -hmm. and that is that exercise as stress Tears muscles and mm. strains blood vessels and right. organs. Mm-hmm. In response, your cell- cellular mechanisms fix the tears and strains and end up overbuilding the affected parts. Yeah, that's how you build muscle, so, right? Monster, so right. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, right. All right, uh, it's like the it's the spilled coffee theory. So, you, you spill a couple of drips of coffee on the floor, and then you end up wiping up the floor, and the floor is cleaner than it was to begin with. Oh, okay. Okay? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, we, um, you know, this is why we got to exercise. Right. This Good. exercise helps us to live longer so we can be there for the mm-hmm. grandchildren. But, you know, I still don't quite... What? I don't quite totally understand. Why? You know, I mean, because... Grandchildren, grandparents aren't always in the position to
1: literally do that. Oh, it doesn't, it's not that precise. It's, it's, okay. It's, okay it's, it's a general thing. And it's, it's kind of made up anyway. But the, the fact is... It's very made up. It's, 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 well, a, you know, it's, a, it's a nice it's, fable, It's, it's to
0: counter all these uh, articles lately that say exercise doesn't help you lose weight, so
1: why bother? Uh, first of all, you always say that, but that, that's not what the article said.
0: That's exactly what no, the article say. it's
1: not. It's not. Uh, so, uh, they just say it's not uh, a panacea. It's a little bit different.
0: No, it's not that at all.
1: No, I'm telling you to have to oh, know, you're, you're
0: The article wrong. you're
1: thinking of is one that had to do with an extreme weight loss situation. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. It has to do with that, uh, you know, exercise, um responds to, you know, changes your metabolism. No,
1: it doesn't. No, that, 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 Tamsin, again, that is, that's the article about the extreme weight loss situation. Look, we'll go over that another time, but I'm telling you that it's, it's not what you think it is. Uh, I don't think so, at least. Uh, but um, in any event, uh, I do think it's all good. I mean, if the idea, you know, exercise certainly contributes your ability to be more active. And uh, I can tell you from our experience with our grandkids, that is a necessity Right? Is that fair?
0: I think it definitely helps to uh, be more mobile. Yeah, you gotta be able to do something. Be a grandparent. Yes,
1: because these kids are, you know, a test. You know, and as I know a few hours ago when I handed him our grandson to you, uh, you know, he's a a handful. All right, so um, here's an article on. an ad that every time I see it, I shake my head and I go, what are they doing? And, I, and apparently the Times is doing the same thing. It's the ad where Matt Damon comes on screen and they show him walking through what looks like a hall of science. And he's talking about, he says, oh, you know, the most uh, troublesome word is almost, like almost making great achievements And there's some vague references and some visuals about great achievements in exploring people, you know, climbing snow-capped mountains and inventing the airplane and something else. And as he walks through this hall of science, uh, sort of illustrating these great accomplishments, he says what these experiences show us is what we've always known from Roman times, fortune favors the brave. And then they put on the screen crypto. Crypto. Uh, and he makes a vague, you know, and there's a vague reference to that is what the brave thing to do is investing in cryptocurrency. Now, before I sh- go on, I know you know what the real phrase is in Latin. So, what is the real phrase?
0: Well, it, uh, well, it doesn't
1: really matter, but it's
0: fortis fortuna juva.
1: Okay, and is it not fortune favors the bold? Is it fortune favors the brave?
0: What's the difference between brave and bold?
1: Maybe not, but I thought I'd always hold it at her as bold. All right, yeah. fine. So, in any event. You look at this and you go, God, uh, what's going on? And this is what the Times says, and I think they're kind of right. It says, we're used to hard sells from advertisements, but fewer are as audacious as this one, which suggests that the act of clicking on crypto.com is a feat equivalent to inventing the airplane. The commercial began airing in October, and there, are, it's, there have been comments that have gone viral online uh, describing it as an especially flagrant piece of cringe. Uh, yeah. Isn't that right? Isn't it this yeah, kind of it, insane? Isn't most advertising? Oh, yeah. I think this is over the top. And, 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 you know, a lot of crypto has been criticized lately just because there's clearly a drive to um, appeal to people who uh, are going to be prone to speculative investments like gambling, and this is not maybe the market you want to be in if you don't have the money to lose. Uh, And there's been a lot of harsh criticism on it. And this is kind of crazy. I mean, uh, yeah, I I take your point. A lot of advertising is unappealing or at least uh, seems totally fatuous. But um, I don't know. This is such, such an awful message and such an awful hard sell. Uh, you know, as they say again in the article, the bleakness of this pitch is startling. Now, you know, of course, the article, because it is the New York Times, goes on to uh, see this as a harbinger of the end of mankind. This by Jody Rosen, the article is sees this as this so, says so much about our society. Today. It's awful, awful, awful. I think that's a little too much. But... Uh, this really sets me off. This one, it doesn't set well, you
0: off. Well, it it does, but again, I think uh, your expectations. A lot are low. of
1: advertising is,
0: you know, it's always promising you a more beautiful life, a more beautiful you, you know, from from things that don't have a, you know, any possibility yeah. of affecting those results. But uh, also, you know, fortune favoring the braid, for this all. Also implies some kind of strength. Yeah, like it's the strong, the powerful. Well, that's
1: right. It, it, you know, it, it, thing it, to do. It's the macho thing to do. It's the not ma- just
0: macho. It's just you know, you're, you're not knuckling under. You're you All know, right.
1: you're 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 putting your stamp on something.
0: Yeah, and well, and also you're being um, you're being strong. you're yeah. being
1: adventurous. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're putting yourself out there in a way that distinguishes you as a man among men. I
0: I mean, there's almost a moral quality. Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, you're not a coward. Right. A coward is, you know, somebody you can't Or
1: the converse being that if you don't, you know, go to the siren song of cryptocurrency, you are a coward.
0: So, yeah. Your
1: hesitation can be, in other words, your hesitation or your prudence can be equated with cowardice. Mm -hmm. That's awful. Yeah. That's just awful. I mean, it it bothers me to the point that I'm saying, why is Matt David doing this? Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's just... Uh, broom. <clears throat> uh,
0: filthy lucre.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think he needs the money. Look, well, he might give it all away, but uh, even so. Awful. Okay,
0: so I have a great article.
1: Yeah.
0: A great article, and it's a math article.
1: Well, you're, okay? You're, how,
0: how about this? I have the math
1: uh, uh, update today. Scouring the world, uh, yeah.
0: Well, you know, I, I I don't know... I don't even know why I read this article. I don't either. It was about, <laughs> It's about a man... yeah. Uh, who used his inheritance, James N. Von Jr. Yeah. Okay, to um, fund interest in developing, you know, a um, an answer is that what you call it? Solution. A solution yeah. to Fermat's equation. All right, yeah. the last theorem or whatever it was Fermat's um, theorem,
1: right?
0: Yeah. Well, he had a bunch of theorems, right? Uh, it says in the New York Times here that uh, Pierre de Fermat was a French lawyer of the 17th century who, who pursued math as a hobby. Mm-hmm. On his death, after his death, appraisals of his work revealed him to be a giant. He helped lay the foundations of calculus and probability theory. He left a large body of what he called theorems, claims that rest on chains of logic. All right. And, uh, you know, he didn't give many details, and people have had to sort these out. Um, And one of them has, uh, I guess, been impossible to solve. Right. The the final one, something scribbled in the margins somewhere. Okay. So this is not terribly interesting to me. I have no idea what any of this is used for. But it was interesting to Mr. Vaughn okay, who in 1961 graduated from uh, the University of Texas, Mm -hmm. you know, and they don't, I don't even think he majored in math. He was a math, he became a Fermat devotee, Mm -hmm. all right. He read a book that was published that year, The Last Problem, by the mathematician Eric Temple Bell, and he became obsessed with this Theorem, okay? So much so that he decided to use his inheritance to fund finding a solution he couldn't find anybody who wanted the money right. you know? it was impossible he had a, a hell of a time trying to give away this money well
1: he had to find someone who would also solve the problem you know,
0: but meanwhile other people are reading this book and it's becoming a little more interesting and he ends up uh, you know funding other aspects of you know mathematical research including um he uh, was um working on something called funding research on with the elliptic curve studies no idea what that is okay uh, meanwhile um so uh he you know he's uh well someone look someone solves the problem right someone solved the problem right um and you know and i've lost the thread of how
1: well, 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 we're not going to describe all someone's solved Okay,
0: um, anyway, just... so, um, you know, Vaughn is funding these conferences. Mm. At one of the conferences, people mm. meet each other, mm. and, um, you know, uh, miracles happen. And this guy, Andrew Wiles, I from I England, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, ends up solving it, and he becomes a rock star. And it's really, you know, largely due to all this <laughs> kind of groundwork done by Vaughn's. Did Vaughn's
1: money go to Andrew Wiles?
0: No, I don't think it did. Why not? Um
1: that doesn't make it, any
0: sense. No, it did. It it went to the things that preceded it. Wait a minute. It, you know, in um, in September 81, he funded a big conference, okay? Yeah. And the, the attendees included Wiles and uh, oh, okay. others, okay? And then, you know, You know, I I can't possibly follow this. Okay, but here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. So he has done this great thing. He's kind of made this. He's he's mentioned nowhere. Okay. He's mentioned nowhere. Vaughn.
1: Vaughn,
0: partly because he stopped funding, his foundation or whatever, stopped funding mathematical research. Why? Because he got audited by the IRS. The IRS decided it was a boondoggle. Yeah. and they kept him um, for years for like four years they were auditing his um, you know contributions yeah. to these conferences so to et it the, the, the right adoption. they thought it was not legitimate no, okay. No, right okay so in the process so one of the other things you know so they so instead um, you know uh, Vaughn says you don't get in it you know nobody uh, Gives you a hard time for contributing to the ballet. Yeah. Okay, so they're contributing to the Met, to the National Gallery, right. you know, um, et cetera, and so forth, and doing all this, uh, you know, uh, prosaic uh, um, donations. But in the process of investing in auditing yeah. his contributions, they seize his collection of rare mathematical books. Yeah. Okay. And they get lost. The collection gets lost. It's this amazing collection. It ends up in uh, the hands of the Texas Controller of Public Accounts, a resting place for unclaimed property. Great, great, great. great, great, great. So somehow they find it. it, He, you know, he has donated it since to his alma mater, University of Texas. But it just cracks me up that you know. I think it's. It's a great thing that he, yeah, the you know, doing, he, they are funding right. this kind of he was doing uh, something that was subtly,
1: you know, um, impressive and important. And when you big,
0: think of all the yeah, tax right. boondoggles there are, right. the IRS is wasting time right. going after a guy. Well,
1: it's worse who than wasting time. Math. <laughs> it's worse than wasting time. It's undermining the effort. All right, not surprised. The uh, well, look, you got me looking for masteries. There was a uh, uh, Wall Street Journal uh, book review. Uh, about a book called Making Numbers Count by Chip Heath and Carla Starr, which is the discussion of how, not solving math problems, but talking about how you can communicate mathematical concepts such that when you do have a mathematical discovery, a mathematical thought or a point to make that's mathematically oriented, you can communicate it in such a way that people understand it. And and according to these folks, at least, people don't understand it. So they give it generally without help. So they give an example of the restaurant chain A&W, you know, the root beer, root beer people who also have uh, fast food places. And at one point, they wanted to uh, compete with McDonald's Quarter Pounder. So they came up with uh, a burger made of a third of a pound. And they lost business because people didn't understand that a third of a pound was more meat than a quarter of a pound. <laughs> uh, so there's a problem out there. I, I, I won't go into it. I mean, maybe it's worth reading this book. I don't know. It's a good review. But What's it called, again? Uh... It's called "Making Numbers Count" Bye. by Chip Heath and Carla Starr. but their maxim, their core maxim, is eight words: use whole numbers, not too many, preferably small. <laughs> so that's uh, that's what you got to do. And finally, I know you. The big joke is you think I'm a ma- you had the article on math. You think I'm a math geek? Let me explain to you what a math geek is. So there is a fellow named Steven Strogatz who is is uh, sort of the subject of a brief article The Times says every week, you know, Sunday with so-and-so. And lately, they've sort of stretched the boundaries. They usually used to focus on entertainers or people whose names you knew. This last week was Stephen Strogatz, who's a math professor at Cornell, who is uh, serving as a math ambassador of sorts at the National Museum of Mathematics, never heard of that, in New York City. And uh, he's tasked with making math fun and started a film series and introduced a course called Math Gems. All right, I won't make you uh, get into the details of that. But here's what a math uh, nerd does uh, in terms of his Sunday morning, just so you know. He gets up at 6.30, because he gets up at 6.30 every day, exactly at 6.30. He's a great student of internal clocks. They're very important. It's important to him that he has that kind of consistency. All right, what does he eat for breakfast? breakfast? He has all Has it on Sunday? Well, he has it every day. Because he says it's important to eat the same thing every day. He likes the idea of doing the same thing every day. He does He's, sound like a nerd. He does, well, is it's math-oriented. Then, uh, you know, what does he uh, do during his uh, spare time in New York City? He says, well, sometimes I'll wake up with a mathematical thought. And I like to get on, on Twitter and communicate about that. Because you can reach the whole world. I see math. Wherever I'm looking, and I like to share it. Okay, so he's on on the computer a lot, dealing with math. He takes a break from math once in a while to do what? He plays chess online. So you know he likes to dabble in that. He used to play in college. Very serious about it. He cares about winning a lot, maybe too much. So if he gets too wound up, he'll stop. And then uh, finally takes a break. Sunday special. Uh, Sunday evening, uh, he gets on the phone with his two daughters. And they participate together in the New York Times spelling bee. Okay. Okay? So there you go. That is a real math person, just so you know, by right. contrast with your husband. You got that? Right. Stephen Strogatz. Yeah, well, I
0: don't understand math at all. I enjoy arithmetic quite a lot. All right, good. But I, I'm sure that no uh, Fermat... Fairmont- and uh, Mr. Strogatz uh, are not talking about arithmetic; they're talking about no, no, math. No, yeah, and um, yeah, you know, it still pisses me off about the IRS. I mean, uh, yeah, well,
1: yeah, I'm with you. I, it's kind of awful.
0: I, if you can, you know, I, I I'm not sure exactly what the purpose of all that math is. Yeah, but it's got to be as beautiful a purpose
1: as as Listen, the. Listen, I can tell you that it was a big deal when Edward Weil to that uh, Fermat's theorem issue. It was a big deal. Well,
0: uh, um, all right. So here now, of course, I have the sewage updates.
1: Yeah, on the COVID sewage.
0: Yes. And so, I, I mean, we're hanging on to, to our conviction
1: yeah. that, uh, you
0: know, the sewage truth will set you free. Yeah, that you can COVID. learn a
1: lot by looking at sewage plants and municipal sources and see what kind of COVID is Well, here's in the what area. they're
0: finding out lately. Yeah. Something strange is in the New York City wastewater samples. Yeah the viral fragments they found had a unique constellation of mutations never that have never been reported in human patients in other words you know how they can they can spot like they spotted omicron yeah. in the sewage yeah, before can, yeah. it, it was in the news yeah the point being before, they, can, you know, they can identify not
1: only covid but the type of covid Right. Yeah. So
0: they, but here's the thing: they're spotting this mutation or yeah. something. A they're calling it in this article a cryptic lineage, yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. But it's not turning up in actual um, RNA from patients. You know, from people. Uh, you know, in hospitals, blood right. samples, etc. So cetera, it must come from somewhere else. So where is it? Well, who's it coming from? What's it coming from? Where is it? Is it there are various theories. Yeah. One is that maybe it's in, it, you know, has very spef- specific small locations within New York. They thought maybe it's in something like a, um, you know, uh, what do you call healthcare facility. Mm-hmm. You know, like a nursing home or something like that with a very limited, specific... Uh, um,
1: population. Population, yeah.
0: okay. And so they... The this uh, the head of it wrote to uh, emailed doctors and hospitals in those areas yeah. that they isolated where they're getting this information and nobody responded to him so he still doesn't know. Right. Uh, another theory is that it could be from animals right. that it's not turning up in human uh, information. But how do the
1: animals' uh, waste get into the system?
0: Um, because it just you know, I guess uh, I I don't know exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know.
1: I think it generally doesn't. they poop, and it, you know. I, I don't know. I, I would say that generally doesn't. But go yeah, ahead. there's sewer what? drains, right? Yeah, maybe, so, maybe. You know. um, and what's the other theory?
0: But you know, and maybe it's they're thinking um, it could be rats. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Um. So they're 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 stymied, uh-huh. and uh, I guess they're kind of. Trying to make this known, so that uh, maybe uh, you know they'll get information from other sources to figure it out. Well, this is kind but, of
1: a you know it's a step back, really. I thought this was such a great source of information that indicated directly what was coming with respect to the human population, but this seems to be what we used to call noise in statistical information. It kind of clouds the issue a little bit.
0: Well, no, yeah. Well, it's information. They have more information, but yeah. they don't know. Yeah. what it's telling well, them. Well, they got to
1: figure it out. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know... Um, anyway. We'll, we'll keep listening.
1: It continues okay. to be an important source of COVID information. And, uh, you know, the authorities are on it. That's all... We can't ask for more than that. Right? Cryptic
0: lineage. Yeah. Watch out for those cryptic lineages. Yeah, well, you know,
1: fortune favors the bold. That's what I say about I think cryptic. that's true.
0: Do I have something else? Oh. Yeah, well, yeah. Lost cookbooks. Yeah. Um... So there's a a sad story of um, a ship.
1: Yeah.
0: What was that ship called? Well, uh, the the Madrid Bridge. Yeah. Some huge container ship. It had a container collapse. Yeah. So containers like uh, were lost overboard right. and damaged somehow. It's not exactly clear how and all these cookbooks that were supposed to be released soon uh, went into the drink yeah. they're down at the bottom of the sea right which is kind of sad they say you know it's like a 1300 or so containers get lost
1: every year Well, that's what i figured this kind of thing happens i think it's in the times because is it melissa clark is that her name
0: well yeah melissa clark is, has she, a book has what? a book coming out called
1: dinner in one right so it's a, her cookbook and there's another one they mentioned but
0: I don't think it gets in the paper yeah, except the fact. Turkey and the
1: wolf. Melissa Clark writes for the Times. She came in one day and she said, "You can't, you won't believe what happened in my books that are supposed to be on sale." But
0: in, you know, um, they keep saying in a year like this, you know, all these all Everything these crazy things have yeah. been happening. Um, but they, I think they're going to publish the book. They just have to print more. Yeah, it's just going to be months and, later and put them on a different. We book. won't
1: be able to cook, but Melissa Clark has given recipes for. But can for you imagine
0: moments. that? I mean, Melissa Clark is. Um, you know, I guess pretty successful. But right. Imagine if this is like your first book or something. Yeah. It's all lost at sea. Yeah. It's a
1: bad break. What can I say? Frustrating. Okay, so the last thing we're going to talk about was an obituary for Robin Herman, who is a woman we both remembered. Uh Maybe you can explain better than I can, because you seem to even pick up on them more quickly than I did.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember the name very well. She was uh, as the Times sums it up, she became one of the first female journalists to em- enter a woman's professional sports locker room. No, men's North- professional sports N- uh, locker room. Oh, all right, I blew that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, you blow it, but back in
0: the day, women weren't allowed in men's locker rooms, which is not a huge surprise.
1: No, it's it's it's, it's the right. way to, it to do, do interviews. Obviously. But yeah.
0: but uh, you know, male journalists were in there yeah.
1: get. Yes. Getting the story. No. 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 Hey, look, I, let me let me break it down because I don't want to. I actually have a different view of this than, than perhaps you do. Uh, which uh, a lot of people thought this was a a, a bold stroke for um, equal rights, and I thought it was all silliness. But uh,
0: no, I'll, well maybe it was. Tell, anyway. Okay.
1: Well, let, let me give you the exact circumstances. 1975. It's the All Star game, All Star hockey game for the NHL. Right. And she enters the locker room with another woman reporter. Yeah. And uh, because it's the all-star game and and there's so-called lax security, that's how she manages to get in. And she enters the locker room before people are even told necessarily they have to put on a towel or anything. So she's in there with some people with towels on and some people without towels on. And she gets the chance to interview players. And this has been interpreted over the years as a, as a, a bold strike for equal rights in terms of feminine sports reporters. Um, and there was some following, and you remember there were stories generally about women trying to get into male locker rooms as female sports reporters to cover sports. And that was considered, uh, in some people's view, uh, perhaps even a significant, uh, step for equality for women. Um, and I always thought that was crazy. Uh, but I'm alone on this maybe, or, but it's one of those things, well, I'm not alone. But you would thought maybe with the passes of time, I'd have mellowed out and seen it differently, or other people might have. But I don't, because it was, number one, uh, substantively it's a non-issue. If you want to be a male or female sports writer, uh, there's nothing less interesting than talking to a hockey player right after the game. You can cover the sport much better by using your own eyes and analyzing what's going on. Those guys have nothing to say. Nothing that's important and certainly nothing that you need in the first 30 seconds. So it's kind of a phony issue to begin with if you want a reporter. But number two is, uh, all you're talking about is, you know, can they walk in while the guys are showering or in the locker room? And I'd say, no, of course not. I mean, in the same way, if it was a women's locker room, you wouldn't want the guys wandering around. It doesn't make any sense. What you do, All you needed, and it's a matter of uh, just logistics, is having what they have now is a second so-called locker room or a second so-called space where the men make themselves available, but they're not in the shower and they're a decent. All right. Well,
0: I'm I'm fascinated to have your opinion on all of this. Thank you. Thank Regardless, you. Uh, she, she, she gained notoriety she by did. going in with another right. female reporter to a locker room yeah. and uh, conducting an interview. Right. All right. And it was quite, you know. Um, hoopla ensued. Yes it did. It was a big and, deal at the time. And she interviewed uh um, Dennis potvan
1: Uh yeah, he's a hockey player. And
0: somebody yanked his towel away.
1: Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I, I mean, uh, yeah. if you say so. Anyway, whatever.
0: Um but uh anyway, we remember her because she went to Princeton. And she this was happened. she was on the Daily Princetonian. Right. And um It was
1: 1975. We were at Princeton. When that happened, yeah. yeah.
0: So, so it just, uh, and there's a picture of her uh, around that time. She looks exactly like all the girls did at Princeton <laughs> at that time. She was in one of the first classes uh, for Princeton. She entered in 1969. And I so, think she's in the very first class. Yeah, the very first, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: you were in the well first... you know
0: but then it was always complicated because
1: uh... yeah it's not real clear you were you were really in the first class anyway Princeton but she was in the first small group of women who were allowed after the so universe.
0: it just brought back some memories yeah. just uh, thinking about uh, what a you know big deal this was! It was a huge deal. And looking deal. at her, she did not spend her life in sports uh, no, reporting or reporting at all. No, she um, she wrote books. She was the assistant dean of. Uh, Communication at the Harvard
1: public health.
0: Public health. Yeah, yeah I mean she, um, she, she was also an artist. She was, so uh,
1: so she had a full life. Yeah, nothing ahead of, uh, against Robin Herman, but it was just one of those moments in time, and one of those hot button issues, the zeitgeist, if you as we call it, and people reacted. You know, flames uh, swirled around this like it was a huge deal and i thought it was weird then and you would think with the passage of time i may have seen with a greater perspective that it was a big deal but i don't think it was i think it wasn't all right
0: i, I was trying to um kind of mollify
1: that blow i'm <laughs> sorry because sorry to disappoint
0: you know um you know don't speak ill of the dead i'm not speaking ill of her well you kind of are okay I, I, I'm so not speak- no. let all right so on that note <laughs>
1: Speaking Oliver, let's move on. i just—it's it's just amazing that it was a big deal. Okay, yes. So uh, that's all we have for this week. Next week, speaking of big deals, the Super Bowl—we'll be preparing for that. And are we actually going to do this on the Super Bowl? Maybe we are yeah, Super Sunday. Yeah, but we'll do a morning show. Yeah, we'll do a morning show. We'll be because we'll right. be too buzzed. You know, if we do it during we'll the to
0: be, we'll be too busy. You know, making the. Chips and dips,
1: making the snacks. Yes,
0: Connie the queso.
1: Yeah, Connie the queso, and and dealing with uh, and doing some active grandparenting. Oh, please!
0: All right, so that's all we got for today. This is Tamsin Granger and Dan Abuha. Tamsin and Dan read the papers. See you next week.